My name is Padraig Tuma, and a number of months ago I was staying with a friend, Ellen Bass, the poet, and over a cup of tea she told me that she and her wife Janet had been memorising poems together during COVID. And then they broke into this particular poem and my memory is being in their kitchen, me with a cup of tea, one of them standing, one of them sitting and they knew the lines by heart and when one would stop, the other one would pick up saying the lines together um, at the same time sometimes and they were grinning, beaming, glowing with the deliciousness of the words of this beautiful poem. So here it is, Refrigerator, 1957 by Thomas Locks. More like a vault, you pull the handle out and on the shelves, not a lot. And what there is, a boiled potato in a bag, a chicken carcass under foil, looking dispirited, drained, mugged. This is not a place to go in hope or hunger. But just to the right of the middle of the middle door shelf, on fire, a lit from within red, heart red, sexual red, wet neon red, shining red in their liquid, exotic, aloof, slumming in such company, a jar of maraschino cherries, three quarters full, fiery globes like strippers at a church social, Maraschino cherries, maraschino, the only foreign word I knew. Not once did I see these cherries employed, not in a drink, nor on top of a glob of ice cream, or just pop one in your mouth, not once. The same jar there through an entire childhood of dull dinners, bald meat, pocked peas, and... See above, boiled potatoes. Maybe they came over from the old country, family heirlooms, or were status symbols bought with a piece of the first paycheck from a sweatshop, which beat the pig farm in Bohemia, handed down from my grandparents to my parents to be someday mine, then my child's. They were beautiful and if I never ate one, it was because I knew it might be missed or because I knew it would not be replaced and because you do not eat that which rips your heart with joy. So much about what I love about the poem is the memory of when I heard Ellen and Janet say it over each other. They were um, beaming with love for each other as well as love for the language of the poem. But what I recalled immediately having heard it was the sensual nature of the poem. You know, this fairly drab refrigerator and in the middle of the refrigerator, three quarters full, was something that was on fire. And then this description that Thomas Lux has, a lit from within red, heart red, sexual red, wet neon red, shining red in their liquid, exotic, aloof, slumming in such company, a jar of maraschino cherries. 
aloof. <laughs> the jar of maraschino cherries and suddenly has panache and it seems like it's at a party that it thinks is beneath it with the chicken carcass and the boiled potato dispirited and drained and mugged. This jar of maraschino cherries stands out as totally different with a different energy in itself, making everything else seem drab in the absolute brilliance and buoyancy and warmth and suggestiveness of its colour. You know, alongside the cherries, there's also the fridge. And the opening words of the poem are easily forgotten. More like a vault. And a vault is something you store things in, but not necessarily something that you're going to use all the time. He says later on, not somewhere to go in hope or hunger. This speaks perhaps to a childhood where there was enough to eat, but there wasn't abundance. You pull the handle out and there's shelves, not a lot. Everything in the fridge, apart from the cherries, is described in a way of something that's functional. Bald meat, pocked peas, and then the, the humorous and delightful and see above boiled potatoes. Almost like he's saying to us, I've already told you, this is scraping by. And somehow in the middle of scraping by, there was this three quarters full jar of these exotic, magnificent cherries. Lux was born in 1946 and so the title of this poem, Refrigerator 1957, sets him at about 11. He was born in Northampton in Massachusetts in the States to a working class parents. His mother worked as a switchboard operator with Sears and Roebuck and his father was a milkman. And he understood that people's everyday speech was sometimes filled with artistry and really worthy of studying. He, he quotes other people who say that poetry should help us endure and that it should be for enjoyment and pleasure. He liked humour in his poetry and he says this extraordinary thing in an interview with the LA Times. I like to make the reader laugh and then steal that laugh right out of the throat. And then he goes on to talk about tragedy right alongside humour. And you see that in the poem, dispirited. This is not a place to go in hope or hunger. These are heavy things to say. And then those things lead us right into the sensuality of the red and the strippers at a church social. His verbs are funny too. Now, once did I see those cherries employed? <laughs> I like the idea of employing a cherry. In the humour of this word employ, he has all of these negations. Not once did I see the cherries employed. And then what follows that is not, nor, or not once. And the not once is speaking about many other things other than whether the cherries were ever eaten or used or just pop one in your mouth. He's talking about dull dinners and expectations and migration and sweatshops. That's the tragedy alongside the humour. And in the strippers at a church social, it's humour, but he's putting some things alongside each other, sex and the body, alongside convention and restraint.
Thomas Lux gives three answers toward the end of the poem about why he didn't eat. And I found myself associating with the Garden of Eden story where the God character says, of the fruit of the tree you shall not eat. And the Adam and the Eve characters do. But here, Thomas Lux, this 11-year-old boy who's presented throughout an entire childhood of dull dinners with these extraordinary glowing cherries. He doesn't eat them. And why? You know, the first reason he gives is because it might be missed. And then the second reason is perhaps because he understands that there is a limitation of resources, that it couldn't be replaced. And then the final reason he gives, which is the final line, because you do not eat that which rips your heart with joy. Why would it rip his heart with joy? There's extraordinary erotic desire and hope and a sense that he wasn't old enough yet. You know, the sex throughout the poem, lit from within, heart red, sexual red, fiery globes, like strippers at a church social. And even pop, pop one in your mouth, pop a cherry. This is perhaps the voice of a young person who's beginning to see sex everywhere and perhaps even see something of his parents hidden past life. You know, the jar is only three quarters full. So someone has eaten from it before at some point. This is something that's there, but not reachable. And alongside the sexual, what you see here is this yearning. You do not eat that which rips your heart with joy. The poem knows that desire comes with yearning. And that the culmination of desire might mean the cessation of the very yearning that you are hurt by, but also enlivened by. There's a complicated kind of pleasure that can come with yearning. And some yearnings come with an ache, but it seems like a delicious, sweet ache that he is speaking of here. Refrigerator, 1957, by Thomas Lux. More like a vault, you pull the handle out and on the shelves, not a lot. And what there is, a boiled potato in a bag, a chicken carcass under foil, looking dispirited, drained, mugged. This is not a place to go in hope or hunger. But just to the right of the middle of the middle door shelf, on fire, a lit from within, red, heart red, sexual red, wet neon red, shining red in their liquid, exotic, aloof, slumming in such company, a jar of maraschino cherries. Three quarters full, fiery globes like strippers at a church social. Maraschino cherries, maraschino, the only foreign word I knew. Not once did I see these cherries employed, not in a drink, nor on top of a glob of ice cream, or just pop one in your mouth, not once. The same jar there through an entire childhood of dull dinners, bald meat, pocked peas and, see above, boiled potatoes. Maybe they came over from the old country, family heirlooms, or were status symbols bought with a piece of the first paycheck from a sweatshop. 
which beat the pig farm in Bohemia, handed down from my grandparents to my parents to be someday mine, then my child's. They were beautiful. And if I never ate one, it was because I knew it might be missed or because I knew it would not be replaced. And because you do not eat that which rips your heart with joy. Refrigerator 1957 comes from Thomas Lux's book, New and Selected Poems, 1975 to 1995. Thank you to HarperCollins, Jennifer Holly Lux, and Claudia Lux, who gave us permission to use Thomas's poem. Read it on our website at onbeing.org. Poetry Unbound is... Gautam Shrikishan, Eddie Gonzalez, Lillian Bell, Lucas Johnson, Amy Chatelaine, Keila Edwards, Anissa Hale, and me, Chris Hegel. Our music is composed and provided by Gautam Shrikishan and Blue Dot Sessions. This podcast is produced by On Being Studios, which is located on Dakota land. Open your world to poetry with us by subscribing to our Substack newsletter. You may also enjoy Padraig's book, Poetry Unbound, 50 Poems to Open Your World. For links and to find out more, visit poetryunbound.org. This podcast is produced by On Being Studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota.